so you know how I'm always saying, oh, you know, this podcast is so based on things I wish somebody told me, right? This this is truly one of those, but it's very much related to pain. So this podcast is going to be related to pain that you're experiencing, that if you just knew this, and I know you're here for a reason, Allah has you here for a reason, maybe it would make you see your pain a whole lot differently. What I've realized is so many things happen in our life that we personalize that are not personal, but yet they form and shape the way we look at life. We look at ourselves, the way we feel happy or not, satisfied, self-esteem, self-love, all that stuff. And today I have a huge, huge tip for you that if you can wrap your head around it, believe me, when a lot of pain comes your way in the future, you're going to know a whole different way to handle it, inshallah, and a better way to feel better regardless of how much someone else is hurting you, whether it's your parents, your husband, other random family members, work, friends. It's going to make you, inshallah, look at things differently. And Allahu alam, I know we can't say, oh, I wish I had this before, but you guys know, like, if Allah didn't need me to have it then, he gave it to me now to share it with you in this exact moment and day and time. If you're riding in a car, if you're sitting at your desk, if you're walking, whatever you're doing, washing the dishes, make sure you tune into this because when you leave this podcast in about 15 minutes, inshallah, you're going to have something that literally changes lives. I would say if I had that then, it would have done mine, but Allah knows best, like I said. But today you're here right now listening to this, and that means it's your time to hear it. Let's get going. Hello, Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to the Mindful Muslim Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Mindful Muslim, coming to you twice a week, Mondays and Fridays. And if you might have guessed, you didn't see my podcast on Monday because I gave you a bonus one over the weekend, totally early. And if you're subscribed to me, you got it before everyone else. Love it, love it. Um, if you guys don't already know too, we are on YouTube. I'm pumping out regular um, videos twice a week on YouTube. We don't have a set date for that yet, but if you show up there, you'll always see something new. Um, I recently put up my family um, experience from Texas. And guess what, guys? I'm about to go back overseas. And I'm going to take you with me in this one. I kind of vlog a lot about it. Um, I'm doing day in the life vlogs also. Like I said, if you want to go to Mindful Muslima on YouTube, you can go over there and follow me. I'm going to be doing a ton more as I get ready for my trip overseas. I'm going to show you, I think, kind of how I prep for my trips. Um, my husband and I are going alone for this one. It has been years since my husband and I have traveled alone. So I, as a mother, that's a bit, like, I have to wrap my head around it. And so I have to prep for home and away as opposed for just away. So I'm going to show you how I do it all on YouTube if you follow me there. Now, today's podcast, we're going to go into pain um, and we're going to be exploring a lot. And what I want to leave you with today is understanding that so much of life, if I could just be honest, like these many years in, um, having five children, like my oldest in their 20-somethings, married five grandkids. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but it makes you think, you know what I'm saying? Um, I would say that so much of my life, I have so much more control over it than I thought. I truly felt I was helpless most of my life. Um, kind of was like, why is this happening to me? You've ever had that question loom in your head, right? Um, why is this person hurting me? I didn't do anything to them. Why can't they just see me for who I truly am? Why can't they just be less 
arrogant, aggressive, harsh. Um, a lot of these thoughts, they were constantly looming. I felt constantly pained, constantly like people didn't see who I really was. And then after a while, when you feel like that happens to you a lot, you generally kind of start to unconsciously, whether you realize it or not, um, just devalue yourself. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah, if you have, then this podcast is for you. So I mean, what you're going to walk away with today is just kind of some tips I have. I have one big tip, let's just say, with a bunch of little tips wrapped all up in it. But you're going to get a new way to look at it, a new way to frame what you're going through. Um, and if it triggers you, which I hope it doesn't, because I can never predict because I don't know who's listening. I told you right now, I just checked the stats this morning, 1.7 million of you have downloaded and listened. So I am getting women from Sweden, from Mexico, from Pakistan, from Bangladesh, from India, from Japan. I mean, US, you, you know, UK, Canada as always. So don't know who's listening, but if you're listening to this and that for any reason you feel like you need to talk more about it, I make that option. You guys know that. So definitely book a call. If there's a lot of people booked, which people, people, sister, sister, you said there was free calls and then they're booked. Guys, just book the next one. If it's urgent and burning, I, I got you too. You can book a 45 minute one, but like those are all I have. Okay. I do have a huge life. Like five kids, mom doing all this stuff. So just get in there and I'll talk to you about it. Okay. Whatever it is, we'll figure it out. You're not alone. And if you really feel like you want a community support place to grow right before Ramadan, um, the book club is still open the wait list. I put that below. Okay. We're going to be doing, and this is the first time I've said it out loud, the mothers of the believers, women around the prophet, like the mothers of the believers, which is awesome. We're going to cover about 12 different famous Muslim women and delve into their lives. And believe me, when you do that, you walk away with so many gems from each woman, like two or three lessons from each one. And I'm going to have a special guest with me. I have a sister who is a half of the Quran that will be hosting it with me. I will still have some of you guys still pump in and like, you know, you guys always come in and help me with the breakout rooms and we chat. And it's just like a super chatty international, like fun, like it's like going to the cafe with like, you know, 60 to 80 women at a time, you know, it depends on how many show up that day, but definitely hundreds and hundreds show up and and so very, very excited to go through that with you guys. But this is one of those moments today where what I'm saying is going to apply to mothers, university students, women who are married, who are not married, women who are parents, who don't want to pass on trauma to their kids. Like all that is for you. It's, it's very general today. Okay. So let's get on into it. So Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Um, I want to say that a lot of my life I carried around, like I said, a lot of pain. I was married at 19. When I was married at 19, um, and by the way, would never change that. I loved being married young. Some people are ready. Some people feel they're never ready. Uh, there is a trend in our women to delay marriage till they're 30. There's a good and a bad of that. Um, there's a good because, okay, great. You get to spend more time on you. You get to explore. You get to do careers, university. But then what women do is when they get into their 27-ish, about to get 30, they start to think their biological clock is ticking. And that's when I get like a million consultation calls from women Um telling me, oh gosh, I think it's too late. My family's telling me, you know, accept anyone at this point and all that stuff. So, and then the other thing is there's a fitna, right? Because the whole time you're not dating, because uh, that's haram and you're like kind of, guys flash before you, you know? So there's that fitna and that constant like falling into haram. So with all of that, I wanted to avoid that basically. So at 19, I got married. I was ready. Um, wouldn't change it for the world. That was me. Just my story, my preference. Nobody else. You could do as you wish. Um, but 
it is a sunnah to get married younger. We'll say that. So that was something that's something not respected nowadays. But obviously, we don't use current values and social values and things like that to measure what we do. We use Islam. Islam says marriage early is always better to preserve yourself and protect yourself. And I went on the journey with my husband. So that was great. So anyway, so alhamdulillah, I'm there. But unfortunately, I told you with the first marriage, I didn't have like a lot of guidance for my parents. I didn't know, made a lot of mistakes. And so tons of pain. So if I could go back to that situation, I would apply the advice I'm giving today. Later on, I had some issues with family members, not husband, family members, really hurtful stuff so hurtful. And so if any of you guys have even parents or um, in-laws, a lot of times this happens. I've done an in-law podcast on this. Um, where people just, they just make you, they just, they come off really strong and they make you feel really small. And like, no matter what you do, you're always a screw up or you're never good enough. Or like, you know, look at your cousins, look at your sister, look at this, you know, just like, or always oh, that what you're going to do? Like making you always feel less than. I went through a bit of that. So this this um, advice today applies to that. This tip applies to that. And in general, when I later went on into dealing with in-laws and other family members and jobs, um, you know, the problem with most of us is, is it's not a problem, but it is reality. We have these expectations, right? We think the job should be like this or a boss should be like this or my husband should be like this. My mom should be like this. My children should be like this. And so what happens with expectations, as you're going to learn over life, no matter how old you are listening to this podcast, um, is they usually get crushed and then we feel pain and then we take it personal. So here's the advice I have to you. You have to go a little deeper past the things, the words, the actions that whatever person, like I said, parent, spouse, job, friend, whatever... We have to go past what's in front of us. Most of us don't. <clears throat> Most of us in the moment, we're very knee-jerky, right? Somebody screams at you. Somebody cuts you off on the road. In that moment, you want to just like gut react. And we talk a lot in the podcast. And if you don't know, go back. And honestly, this is making me like have the vibes of just like opening up my emotions um, free class for just a couple days uh, where I break down how your mind works, which... Like I, I usually open it in November, so just I'm saying like if I, I'm feeling like if this is going to trigger people, um, I don't know, I might want to make that one down below as well, but I just need you to know if you understood how your mind works a bit better, it does help. That's just like a bonus to what I'm saying right now. So if you feel this triggers, um, you can always DM me and I'll help you with that or I'll put it below. But what I want to say now is what I had to learn, and I want you to like write this one down if you need to is I needed to stop expecting things from people that they weren't capable of giving me. I had such expectations of what family members should do, treat me, the way they should talk to me. And I learned after a while that they didn't have the tools. They didn't have the capacity to be what I needed them to be. But I was upset they weren't unconsciously. I wasn't there like wagging my finger like who does she think? No, it was just kind of like this pain. I'm going to give you an example so you can relate and get what I mean. Let me break it down. You know me. I always break it down. Um, let's pretend. Let me just give you a hypothetical. Your mother, okay? Your mother is really hard on you. I don't care if you're 40 right now, 20 right now. Like anybody could relate to the parents thing, right? Um, you know, always kind of like tough, you know, like pushing you to like be this or that, whether it's 
you know, a career type push where she's pushing you to go through medical school or pharmacy or, um, you know, pharmaceutical school or just pushing to be a lawyer or a doctor or whatever it is. That's what we tend to do in our community, whatever it is for you, pushing you, pushing you and feeling like you're never going to be enough until you have this degree. Put the world on stop. Don't get married. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I just threw a little monopoly in there. You know, you know what I mean? Like, don't do anything until you get this degree. It is it is going to show your value when you go to get married. Guys are going to be like, oh, you know, look at her. She ha-. The value placed on achievement is really high. Let's pretend that was your pressure. Let's pretend that wasn't your pressure. You just want your parent to love you. You just need to be loved. You're going through so much. You just wish your mom was super soft and calm and she could talk to you nice. You just wish your dad wasn't so reactive to everything and making a big deal or getting like, you know, you know, shunning you and you don't do what he wants or giving you the cold shoulder. Like whatever guys do and, you know, girls do in terms of when their parents like, you just wish they could just be supportive. You just wish they could you like, I love you. Whatever makes you happy, I'm behind you. You just need them to do that. Are you feeling where, I'm, where I am right now? You just need that from them. You need them to like love you anyway, whether you get the degree or not, like support you anyway, whatever you're going through in your life, whatever decisions you make, you just feel like you just need that hug from them, that emotional hug that says it's going to be okay and I don't judge you and I love you for who you are unconditionally, right? So let's give that hypothetical. That could be you. Maybe it's not you. I don't know that many people it's not, but I was trying to give a pretty general one. Okay, but let's pretend your parents weren't taught how to, how to express their love. Your dad wasn't taught how to tell you I'm sorry. He, he was never, his father himself never apologized to him. So he has no idea what an apology is to look to a child because he's never gotten one. Or your mother, you know, you wish she could be stronger or you wish she could be a little softer, whichever one it is. But but if you look past her words on a Sunday morning at 2 p.m., you know, Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m., like whenever she spoke to you really difficult that day, if you look past those immediate words, if you look past the 10 years, you know, the past 10 years when it was hard between you, like if you look past that, I'm talking past I'm talking 20, 30, 40, 50 years past. You're saying, how can I do that? I wasn't alive when my mom was being raised. Okay, but maybe you've seen your grandparents. I know when I look at my family, I look at some of my uncles or aunts. I, I look out you know, into the sea of family members and I know how they were raised. Even though I wasn't in the house at that moment, I can make a pretty good understanding of exactly what they went through. For example, uh, my grandfather, he was an iron worker. He worked two jobs. My grandfather worked 22 hours a day. I remember it was told to me. Now I want you to imagine a parent who works 22 hours a day. Male, female, doesn't matter. There were boys in that house. There were, I think I have about between my uncles and aunts, I have like six. They were in that house some are male or female. And let me tell you a little secret about not spending time with kids. And let me let me break down the whole like, and, and I'm not going too deep into, you know, psych, whatever. I'm just giving these very general understandings. When a child does not see a parent, whether or not that parent is there because not there because they chose not to be there as in like they chose to be an absent parent, not really interacting, or they're not there because they're working really hard 
to provide for their child. See, both they're absent, but one, it's for like an understandable reason. One, it's like, well, you know, it would be better if they didn't do that and they were an active parent. Judgments aside, judgments aside, when that child doesn't see that parent interacting with them, they unconsciously start to create a narrative about why that parent is there or not, whether it's true or not. And I want you to pay attention because this could be you. When we don't get what we need from people, we start to create a story about why that is. Let me give you an example. Let's say there's a three-year-old child and their father's never there because they are working two jobs to provide for the whole family. And this was very similar to my grandfather. He was working hard. He would sleep on one of the jobs because think, when's the poor man sleeping? Because it was like, I remember my, my parents would tell me that the railroad job was easier so he could kind of fall asleep in the office one or two or three hours and that's how he'd catch up on a bit of sleep. Maybe he got five hours or three hours sleep a day. So his sons might interpret that as, my father doesn't love me. And you know what happened? That's actually what happened. When you catch them later on as adults, they said, my father was never there for me. He was never there for my games, my baseball games or my whatever games or my like my, my football games. Like he was never there. Now, the 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 obvious answer would be like, but but he was working, but he was. But that's not the way the child perceives it. That's not his story. His story is I was without my father. And that means my father, I wasn't lovable enough for my father to be with me. I must not be lovable. So my self-esteem is very low and therefore I'm not worth that much because if I was, my father would be present. Isn't that interesting? And I'm telling you, I watched this unfold in my own family with multiple uncles. And the truth is many of us as women, we have the same thing. Like my mother never complimented me, you know, but, but, but see, if you also want to understand something about my grandfather, my grandfather came from a very tough old school, work hard, keep your chin up, you know, was not shown love. So even when my grandfather was around, he was a pretty tough guy. But if you really knew my grandfather, he was soft. He was so soft. If you can get past his facade, because that was his survival mask. He had to go out into the world and make it for his family. He had a family of, I think, eight and work really hard. And if anything happened, he was responsible for all those children and he felt so much pressure. So if you spoke to my grandfather and you got his side of the story, he would say, I was doing it for the kids. I had to. If I wasn't going to feed them, who would? Mind you, he did this through the, the war times in the U.S. So Because you know my family was here a long time. And so at the end of the day, his story is a story of struggle, triumph. You know, imagine his every day, not sleeping, trying to keep eight mouths fed. That's his story. But if you go ask his kids who are in the house without him, they will say, no matter how many times my grandmother might have said, you know, he's working for you. And a lot of men put that in their mind. Well, you know, I'm not here emotionally. A lot of women complain to me about their husbands not being involved with their kids. And, you know, and the husband's story is, well, you know, I'm, I'm out there providing monetarily. And, you know, that's the back home mentality. I'm there doing that. He, he'll know I loved him. But that's not how the prophet operated. The prophet, peace be upon him, knew very much the need to connect with the children. He would go down on one knee. He would face them eye to eye. And, and when they would say, oh, you know, I think of the story of, um, you know, the boy who said, oh, you know, my bird died. And then he would joke around with him and he made a little thing, but he empathized with him. How are you feeling today? It, it was always very much awareness. 
So what my message is to you today is if I could say something, for example, to my uncle and my uncle was in pain, I would say your expectations of what you needed from your father were not what he could give you. He couldn't even give it to you. Even if you wanted more time, he couldn't give it. Even if you wanted him to show love, he didn't know how. He wasn't taught. But you have taken that and turned it into having something to do with your worth. Subhanallah. That's so deep. And don't we do that, sisters? Don't we we take experiences with other people and how they treat us and use it to unconsciously sometimes determine our worth? So let's pretend that story of my grandfather was my grandfather. Pretend that was your father, right? And you're there as a child thinking my father doesn't love me because even when he's home, he's not even trying to spend time with me. He's doing something else. He's never been taught, ladies. He's never been taught how to do that, literally. Maybe it's your husband. He's never been taught how to, how to show affection, how to take you out, how to spend time with you. You know, so many women, when we do our our marriage boost um, program, when I get to talking to them, because we do this to increase the love and intimacy, so many women feel horrible. They come into the program feeling that whatever they're experiencing with their husband speaks volumes about their self-worth. It is the most interesting connection that we make as human beings. And it often has nothing to do with one and the other. For example, my uncle is extremely successful. My uncle lives in like plus million dollar house. He's worked very hard and he himself has done amazing things. But if you look at how now he has relationship with his kids, it is mirroring very much the way his father was. Because guess what, ladies? He doesn't know any other way. We are inheriting kind of what has been passed down to us. Now, let's say my grandfather, he didn't do anything wrong, right? He wasn't trying to be neglectful. He wasn't trying to be emotionally unavailable. He was working with the tools he had and working through and doing the best he can. I want you to imagine right now you. Here you are, whatever age you are, 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever part of your life you are in uni, if you're in, um, you just got married, you're just having your first child, you're divorced, and now it's after the fact, whoever you are, you are where you are right now. Wouldn't you want your children to understand your struggle so that they wouldn't internalize your struggle and make it have something to do with their worth? You failing, you not getting loved by your mother, your father, you having a difficult breakup, you like whatever it is, what does that have to do with the worth of your two-year-old child or your 10-year-old child or your 15-year-old child? Probably nothing. You're going through your stuff. Do you love your child any less? No. But maybe because you're going through your own stuff, whoever you are, and maybe you don't even have a child yet. I'm talking about your unborn child, maybe. This is real. I'm trying to catch you ahead, right? Remember I said catch you and I wish people would have told me. Wouldn't you want them to know how much you love them? Well, guess what? If you come from some type of a traumatic past, you're going to have to try to work through that and then learn how to now show love in ways that you never were shown love. But what I want you to walk away from this podcast as I've kind of broken all that down is we need to stop basing on our worth, you know, waiting for people to give us things. And I've said this in a previous podcast because this keeps coming up in my conversation with so many of you guys. And I want you to hear this. And if you're hearing it twice, good. That means it's meant to be heard. We need to stop expecting things from people that they can't do. And then when they don't do it, 
thinking it has anything to do with us. Okay? I'm not saying it's never anything to do with us. We couldn't be better. I'm not saying that. I'm saying maybe that person can't be kind to you because no one has showed them kindness and how to be kind to others. Maybe that person does not know how to be understanding with you because they have no idea how to be understanding. It has nothing to do with you. Maybe that person is just so arrogant and so difficult and so aggressive with you because that's the way they were raised or that's the way they were taught or they had some crazy experience that they're still carrying the trauma of and it's it's being you know shown in the way that they interact with you. But once again, here's the problem. The reason you're hurt by that person is really because you have this expectation. You have this expectation that they shouldn't do that to you, that they should be nicer, they should be better, they should be more loving, they should be more understanding. You're expecting something that they can't even do. Let me equate it to this. If I had a child in front of me who was blind, and I said to them, see, look at this picture right here. Can't you see it? And they were like, no, I can't see. And then you were screaming at them to look, 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 and you're so upset that they're not looking. Do you see how, how ridiculous that would be? You're like, of course. But that's because that's a physical, obvious problem they have. But the problems with the people that we're hurt from are often much deeper. They're things you can't see on the surface. We can't see their traumatic history, their pain, the way their parents raised them. We can't, we can't really see. So that's why I start off the podcast with look deeper. Look past. I want you to ask yourself. Let me give you a little homework. Ready? I did this one with a, one of the women recently on a call. If you feel like certain things people are saying are harming you, I want you to start to just do one exercise. There's many more after this. I do a lot of this in my emotions course, not the class course, but I'm going to give you like one little snippet activity from it here right now is I need you to start being more aware, aware of this whole thing I just said. All I want you to do is open your eyes. I'm not asking you to do anything with it. I mean, if you want to, we can talk. I mentor a lot of women, but I'm not even asking that. I just want you to do a baby, baby step. Muraqaba, mindfulness, awareness, like let's do it. Okay. I just want you to write down triggers. Just get a little notebook this week. Do a little, I promise you, it will open your eyes to things you've never imagined. I just had a really bad experience today, actually. It was really bad. I was triggered for sure. But I knew I was triggered because I've done this work before. And I wrote down and then I actually asked my husband to help me because sometimes I have to talk it out with somebody. And he said, to me something I said to him a long time ago. It's so funny how it comes back around. He goes, what's the worst that could happen? I go, hmm, what's the worst? That's what I ask people to do sometimes. So like, oh, I'm so afraid. I'm so worried. I'm so... What's the worst? He said, what's the worst that could happen? And I went, okay, well, this and this and this. And I played it out. And he goes, and then and he literally mirrors me. It's hysterical. This is what happens, ladies. If you talk to your husband enough, they, <laughs> they end up learning. My husband was never taught these skills, but they can still learn. And that's like I'm saying, when I, was, when I was doing the Marriage Boost course in the school, I was telling women, like, don't lose hope. I know. This was, I mean, I'm married to my husband over a decade now, so this took a bit of time. But, you know, mashallah, he's come around. And he said, okay, and then? I was like, well, then this could happen. He's like, and then? And then he got me down to the point where we broke it down to, I was like, it's left to Allah. He's like, exactly. And I'm like, exactly. Alhamdulillah. Like, you know, sometimes I just need to talk it out with somebody else, just like maybe you do. So I'm here if you guys want to talk, but this is your activity. 
go in your, your notebook and just say, I'm just going to notice triggers. Now, what's a trigger? Trigger is something that just, it makes you so upset, so angry, so anxious, so whatever. Like, and I want you to write it down. Today, I felt super, super mad because my husband said this. And this made me feel this or think this. Just like write out, write what it is. You could rewind this podcast. Put a little note what minute this is that I just said that so you could remember the exercise. Then all of a sudden you get on the phone with your mom and your mom says something and you're like, oh, and then it makes you feel totally, you know, crushed, whatever it is, write it down. And then you notice something with your child. I bet you this, by the end of the week, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty, I don't want to say positive because that would be, you know, Allahu Adam. But this is something I'm telling you. You're going to notice patterns. Every time you're going to notice you get triggered when you talk to a specific person or about a specific topic or something happens very specific. It is, it is always patterned, but we often think it's erratic or just, you know, random. It's not. It's the same thing with children. When children have tantrums, it's usually patterned. My daughter has patterns. I watch her and I already know what the triggers are for her. And because of that, I can avoid them or approach them or be more empathetic or be more slow down. Like I know what to do. Once you can identify triggers, you can address them. But I can't help you. You can't help you. No one can help you unless you first do that. So when people go to like therapists and stuff like that, they often are just getting them to talk it out and to recognize and become aware. A lot of it is self-awareness. Now, a lot of people come to me and they don't know how to do self-awareness and that's totally normal because nobody teaches that. Nobody taught me, right? But after a while, once you've learned these things from other people, these are things that really should be shared. So for example, if you feel like any YouTube video you've ever watched helps somebody, helps you share with somebody else any podcast, any Instagram, you know, we had Instagram posts and we share with somebody, right? Oh, this is great. Somebody needs to hear this. We have to get a lot more used to like, oh, that really helped me. Let me make the intention to help others and share. So likewise, even if this helped you, right, you can share it, share it with another sister who needs to hear it, but our bookmark it or save it or for yourself later. I want you to do this, sis, because you are listening to this for a reason. Allah needed you today to hear that sometimes the pain you're experiencing is based on expectations of people that they don't actually have the ability to give you what you need. It has nothing to do with your worth. All right? And I want us to learn how to recognize when we're triggered and to start noticing the patterns. I do, like I said, a lot of this work in the emotions class. I talk about how your mind works. I talk about how to how to even fill in the holes, how to like go past that, how to heal from the triggers, how to rewrite your story. I do all that stuff and like a lot more stuff I do later on in lessons in our school, but I want you to get the basics down. This is basic understanding of thinking and how life works. And if I only knew this, Allahu alam, but Allah, Allah needed me to know it later, alhamdulillah. But for you, you know it now. Use it, and may Allah make it easy for you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for you and every single sister who listens to this and every single sister who this is shared with. Ameen, ameen, ya rabbil alameen. All right? See y'all in the next podcast. Have an amazing, amazing weekend. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.